there are powerful transformatory experiences. I would call them emergent experiences mm. because I think they're new, they're emerging now, that a lot of people haven't had them. And when you mm -hmm. have them, they make a big, like, happen for you. And there's a kind of a, a kind of mythos, really, around a lot of spirituality that the interpretation of those experiences is given in the experience. Yes. So the idea is, you've had the experience, mm. you now know. Mm -hmm. And you can say what you know. And you know that from the experience. And I bought into that in lots of ways for decades. Mm. And I do not think it's right at all now. I think we have these experiences and there's lots of ways potentially of understanding what they are, exactly. which reveal the significance of the experience or actually can mislead you and take you down a different route. And welcome to what I hope is going to be a series of conversations exploring the philosophy I've been working on, which I call Univigilism. And I call it that because it's a philosophy designed to support the evolution of what I call Univigils, which are individuals conscious of unity. And we're in my kitchen, in my home in Glastonbury, in the UK. And I'm with Jessica, Jessica Nathanson, who's flown in from Israel to attend a retreat, which finished yesterday. Um, and this first conversation um, was one I wanted to have about non-duality. And Jessica's working on a book on non-duality. So it felt too good an opportunity to miss to explore what's the relationship between this very popular non-dual approach to spiritual awakening and this other approach, which is what I would call unidual, which underlies individualism. So welcome. It's lovely to be Thank in my you. kitchen with Amazing you. Amazing to be in your beautiful kitchen. Um, I, I thought a really good place to start would be your experience, personal experience, of non-duality. How you got into it, how you found it, and yeah. where you've ended up with it. Sounds good. Yeah, so I sort of stumbled into it, I would say, mm -hmm. stumbled and then sort of fell headlong into it. But um, about 10 years ago, I had um, a pretty massive awakening experience um, beyond the, the self or beyond the ego and sort of the, the sense of being Jessica or being somebody. It all just kind of dissipated um, and left me in sort of radically new um, worlds where I no longer really existed um, and that kind of turned everything inside out and upside down um, and it was you know extreme liberation and transcendence and really felt like this is the solution to all of my problems um, and so I guess after that I was really just trying to, to understand it and looking for so it's two things that I uh, it, how long did that last? Was it like a bang thing that, and then stopped or did it extend? I would say it was sort of that big bang yeah. and then a lot of little bangs yeah, and yeah. Big sort of yeah. ups and downs, like yeah. the roller coaster kind of thing. But yeah. from that, that one huge bang, everything changed. There's a very clear sense of a before and then an after. I understand completely. Um, so yeah, I guess that's and, how I would and describe it. So before that, um, 
were you were you reading non dual books? Had you come across it and then it happened, or did it just happen and then you go looking for all that stuff? Yeah, and I've also been trying to kind of piece all of that together. So right. how, how did it happen? Right. Um, but I was. I was reading some of the more sort of, let's say, um, bestseller um, sort of new age blending sort of Eastern with self-help kind of um, ideas. So Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now, The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. Um, And these were really kind of planting the seeds for this path of self-transcendence that sort of offering this way out from our personal problems and our suffering. Um, and so the word non-dual was sort of starting to surface here and there, but I really didn't know what it was. It sounded very mysterious and very cryptic. Okay, so that's the door. You've got an experience. And this thing which you're finding seems to address that experience. Y- yes, I and think explain so. it or offer more or all of that? Both. I okay. think it, it helped provide a framework yeah. and then it also provided, let's say, a sort of map to follow of how to get more of this yep. and how to go further into, into this sort of um, yep. new, new non-dual reality, so to speak. So, and what was attractive about it? What was attractive about it? Well, it was in, extremely enticing, um, this sort of idea of rising above all of your, your human problems and that idea of going beyond um, and this idea of I guess, sort of an immunity from, you know, from personal problems, from, let's say, everything from just being chronically dissatisfied to, you know, always expecting something to hold the promise of happiness that never provides it to, you know, existential things like the fear of death. Um, but really, it felt kind of like an escape, a, a, way, a way out. Um, so, what, I mean, the word non-duality gets used in lots of different ways. Mm. There's non-dual traditions that go back hundreds and hundreds of years. There's new ones that have arisen and become very popular recently. Yeah. It means different things. What was, what was the key understanding that you found that people were offering you? What, what, was, the, what was the... Well, I would say in the catchphrase is no self, no suffering. Essentially, if you can get rid of the self, the one who cares, the one who has problems, then that's the ticket, of course. If there's, if there's no one there to really be hurt, then there's no hurt. So it was, it was really that. It was, um, beyond that, it was really about negating things. So it was really what you're not. You are not, you are not an ego. You are not separate. Um, there are no boundaries. So it was very much no separation, no ego. Um, eventually the world is, is sort of this illusion. So it was very much building up this sort of belief system around what, what's ultimately real and what's not. Mm-hmm. And um, once you can see through all of these things that are not real, you arrive at the ultimate truth, which is this liberation. And once you get there and live in light of that truth, then you're free. That's pretty similar to what I came across, I think, in a slightly different way. Mm. Mine was about 30 years ago, I guess, and um, f- was through the, the, the writings of Srinivasa Maharaj, I am mm. that, which really made a big impact on me. And then meeting by a magical sense of coincidences, as often happens, Ramesh Balsakar in his mm. living room with six other people <laughs> um, in Mumbai and just going, wow, 
this is amazing. Here's this elderly, gent white-haired gentleman in a rocking chair saying these amazing <laughs> things which related to experiences I'd had, right. which were similar and, and were having, and then opened up a whole new experience of mm. it. And, um, and that was really, really, really interesting. Um, but I know that, like me, your, your journey, journey didn't end there. And right. what happened? Well, I would say um, I went pretty, pretty deep into the kind of non, new age, non-dual circuit, if you will. Um, and that sort of initial intention of, you know, finding peace and transcendence, and there's so much wisdom and so much to be gained from that, really turned into something a bit, a bit darker and more cynical and nihilistic, which really ended up becoming sort of, you are not a person, you don't exist, I don't exist. Um, you know, these words are being spoken by nobody. It really became this message of kind of you are the problem um, and, you know, what we're doing together in these, let's say, non-dual sort of meetups and conversations is really about helping each other to, um, I mean, really all I can say at this point was to invalidate one another's stories yeah. and existence. So, you know, it sounds very extreme. That's because it was. Yeah. It was radically extreme. Um, and that's kind of, I think, what a lot of us were seeking. Extreme suffering looks for an extreme solution to that. Um, but so just to kind of fast forward a bit, um, I eventually found myself, let's say, about five years after this initial awakening and this honeymoon period with, you know, this beyond the self experience, um, I realized that my sense of self had been so eroded to the point that, you know, what was once a very vibrant personality, which I hope has been coming out over this weekend, just really um, kind of disappeared. And mm -hmm. I lost access to it. And I found myself in these experiences where even just have a, having a conversation like this felt difficult to carry it on. Everything's just this story. Um, none of it really matters because it's not really real. Um, and finding that, yeah, I really just lost lost my character. Um, you lost yourself. I lost myself. And, and you know, I succeeded, right? Yeah. I succeeded in one yeah. way. I did exactly what I was supposed to do. Then realized, wait a minute, the price for this is just too high. I, I couldn't so really how, how bad did that get? It got to the point of extreme dissociation and I would say more of a clinical type of depersonalization, which some call enlightenment's evil twin. Um, and I think it was really when I, there was a specific relationship that I tried to enter into and realize this extreme anxiety of, oh my God, I don't think that I can uphold this sense of personhood consistently enough to hold up my end of the relationship. And that was a huge wake-up call that, holy shit, something's gone wrong here, yeah. and I need to look under the hood. But it did, it, it kind of spiraled out at one point into what um, people now call a spiritual emergency. Um, and that's kind of led me to this passion to have conversations like this, to really say, okay, what, what went wrong there? What were the pitfalls? What can people do differently? How can we avoid that and kind of take the best of those um, sort of new age, modern, non-dual um, ideas and leave behind what's most harmful. Yeah, and because my sense, you know, I meet, I have all sorts of people come along to my retreats. And, and, well, the one that we were at was just yeah. like such a cross-section, isn't it? It is. Um, but one of the 
stories that leads people is this one. Mm. Um, is that kind of uh, people looking to escape non-duality yeah. because they've found something mm. which was initially very attractive. Not just that, also have people who are trying to escape Christianity. It's like there's, a, there's exactly. all sorts of things that, that you can get stuck in and that non-duality could be not, is another one like that. Yeah. Um, so all, this, all of those ideas that we should mention, it'd be nice to pick over all of them really um, and just look at what's right about them but maybe what's wrong about them. But, but before we do that, I'm just... Uh, uh, so that, I mean, that's very extreme, yeah. what you experienced. And how, how did you get out of that? It's a great question. Well, I mean, part of that... It, one of the things that I'm working on with a friend is sort of this recovery path from Neo-Advaita, which yeah. I think will come up, which is sort of yeah. this modernized sort of um, cherry-picked version of sort of ancient Advaita. We can get to that later. Yeah. Um, but I, first of all, I mean, just to deal with the sort of acute, extreme sort of symptoms of dissociation, you know, had to go through a lot of grounding, um, a lot of you know, uh, kind of removing myself from, you know, I had to stop working for a little while, I actually moved to Israel at that time, um, was a very destabilizing period. But I think the biggest thing that helped me was discovering how many other people out there were having the same experience, because yeah. I thought I was going insane. Yeah. Um, in some ways I was, <laughs> but you know, I, I'm not the only one by any means. I mean, there are thousands of people, I think, that are coming out of the woodwork now around the world that are saying, hey, wait a minute. You know, it's been about a few years now and what was really amazing has now turned into sort of this nightmare. So finding all of these other people to connect with, to validate that experience. Um, but I would say a really big part of it ended up being the philosophical deconstruction, Okay. which is what has led me to you, really, yeah. to finding uh, another way yeah. to um, engage with non-duality, um, but to really revision it. Yeah, yeah. So, f f I mean, my, my, I didn't have that experience yeah. that you've had. You know, I'm lucky. Luckily. Yeah, um, um, for me, um, you know, I, I'd obviously, I was much older yeah. than, than when it happened, and I had been through an awful lot already. And gone down all sorts of dead ends mm -hmm. um, but I was very impressed by the whole non-dual Advaitic tradition yeah. and it, it did, did lead to an experience but what happened very shortly a few years afterwards was I had a daughter <laughs> and holding this little baby in my arms the idea that the there was no individuality and no self and life was a meaningless illusion that I should recover from yeah. was like no, that's not right. And that moment brought into focus something which has always been there, really, I think, which was how does our individuality and the experience that everything is one, how does that sit together? And the non-dual one, as it seems to be in the title, is one approach to that, isn't it? It's one. It is. And it's completely incompatible. You can't have an individual which relies upon some degree of separation. If there's only oneness and separation isn't real. I love how you said when you had a, a baby, I think a lot of people have that experience. Like me, everything was actually okay when I was by myself. I learned how to be exquisitely peaceful on my own and to love solitude. I didn't need anyone anymore or anything. But then I lost the ability to have 
relationships. So it was in the relational sphere that shit started to hit the fan. Yeah. Where I wasn't able to really engage in that way anymore. Yeah. If I look back to my time with Ramesh, who I am genuinely grateful to, because I did under he he helped me understand not just intellectually, but. I got a new experience. His whole thing was no doer. We can talk about that maybe later. Which is, yeah. and I got that, and as an experience, and and I, which was interesting, and and it was magical. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, this is crazy stuff that happens around these experiences. And sometimes, because the magic in life turns up around what I would call emergent or more new experience, yeah. it can seem like it's endorsing it. Yeah. You know, little thing that happened for me. I think it's in one of my books was. I just literally finished my first ever book, um, which was a version of uh, Lao Tzu's Tao Te Ching. Mm-hmm. And here was, here was Ramesh, who was clearly very influenced by the Taoist tradition, mm-hmm. like a little Lao Tzu. And I come out from, literally, I come out from there with the person I was with, and I say the words, <gasps> very excited. I feel like I've just been with a living Lao Tzu. Ah. So I just, like, really excited. And... We go into town, and, and when you're a first-time author, you'll, you will have this when your book's done. You know, it's like, it's a big deal yeah. to see your book in a shop, you know, I'm or sure. someone reading I'm it on the sure train. I'm sure I'm going to get to that point. Yeah. But, <laughs> but it is a big deal, and I'd never, ever seen it in a shop. Oh, my gosh. Not, you know, it hadn't been out for very long, but I'd never seen it in a shop. Yeah. And I'm walking in Bombay, in Mumbai, and it's really, really hot. And I'm thinking, wow, I just got it. And, then, and I can feel air conditioning coming from this big, big doorway, which is a shop, mm-hmm. which is this massive bookshop. And I just walk through, and there, right in front of me, is my Tao Te Ching. Like, staring at me, and it's like, oh, oh my God, everything's just happening. He's right, it's the flow of the non-dual. And so, like, all of that plays into it. So I am grateful to him. And, but I, I feel looking back, especially for me, because the, the, the biggest thing which is marks out the the, the awakening there's lots of awakening states exactly. lots of them but the ones that really grab me not only it's not the oneness it's the love yeah. the connection exactly. and uh and i do remember that there was a, a young woman there who um there was two of them actually on a couple of days i went one was, a, one was a very young woman who just, I forget her name, Lucy or something, and she just stood at the back and just went, there's only a handful of us, and just went, what about little Lucy? Aww. And it was so like, you know, <laughs> and it was like, Pff. Yeah. And then the other lady, the next day or whenever it was, she brought her husband's ashes to put into the Ganges. Wow. And he, she was asking, and, and, and Ramesh was so like, no, none of that is of any significance. And, and she said, but what about love? Hmm. And he said... Love is the opposite of hate. And that was all he said. And <laughs> it's like, it was interesting when I look back that my bullshit detector wasn't just going, boo, yeah. boo, boo. I yeah. honestly was, because I remember it. Yeah. I don't remember much else, but mm. I remember that. So mm-hmm. I knew that something wasn't right. Exactly. And in that phrase is the kind of thing which in his version, I don't think, think was right. And that's to do with relationship. Exactly, yeah. And the love, I think that's one of the main things when I look back it's so funny. I look back at these teachings and these words that once held such a feeling of even warmth and comfort and freedom. To me, they're now they're they're chilling. Yeah. Because there's such a lack of love, and if there is love, it's always talked about as sort of this detached, impersonal love. 
but it's never really love in action. There's no love for the self. Yeah. There's no love of relationship. It's yeah. just about negating all of those things. So. All right, let's great. get into some ideas then. What? What? Because so what's happened for me is the further I've got away from the, the more I've developed different ways of thinking. I, I sometimes I, I don't even know what the it doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> Non-dual. It's like it, look it, what and. Mm. And, and, the, and the thing that really strikes me, maybe this is a good place to start, I don't know, is that, is that there are powerful transformatory experiences. I would call them emergent experiences mm. because I think they're new, they're emerging now, that a lot of people haven't had them. And when mm -hmm. you have them, they make a big, like, happen for you. And there's a kind of a, a kind of mythos, really, around a lot of spirituality that the interpretation of those experiences is given in the experience. Yes. So the idea is, you've had the experience, mm. you now know. Mm -hmm. And you can say what you know, and you know that from the experience. And I bought into that in lots of ways for decades, mm. and I do not think it's right at all now. I think we have these experiences, and there's lots of ways, potentially, of understanding what they are, exactly. which reveal the significance of the experience, or actually can mislead you and take you down a different route. And my interpretation now, if you were coming along to me you know, and, and sharing your story, would be, I think the initial understanding, the experience is valid, it's important, no wonder you took yeah. it so seriously, mm -hmm. how amazing. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's a different way of understanding it. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly the conclusion that I've come to is that there's the experience and then there's the philosophical lens that you see the experience through that gives meaning to it and informs it. And I think that um, the sort of either or neo-advaita non-duality um, was really sort of a, a, a non-philosophy philosophy that claimed to not be a philosophy, that it was based on this direct experience that's yeah. beyond words, yeah. so they would laugh about, or we would laugh about how, oh, we're talking about this, but really it's, you know, it's not about the words, it's not a story, but it was a story. It was a yeah. story about how there's no story, yeah. and it was a system of beliefs, and I think that that's really the biggest thing that I want to help people with is to understand that you've had these experiences that are pre- or non-conceptual, but what you've gotten involved with is a very specific ideology based on that that's that's not given right like you said this is one way of looking at it that can be looked at in many ways and we have a choice of how yeah how I, I mean that. I would even push that further Jessica I would now say all experience is conceptual hmm. because anything which you are experiencing consciously or unconsciously in fact relies on some form of discrimination to enable you to know what it is at all. And, and, and we have this idea that somehow it's the conscious thinking which does that. It's not. It's a whole complex system. My, one of the things recently, especially over the last few years, where it's felt looking back at Advaitic and, and lots of older mystical, particularly Indian perhaps, philosophy, but also true of the Chinese philosophies and, and the Western ones, it's just old. And they have a naive psychology. Yeah, it's just a very, it had no knowledge of the subconscious mind exactly. that hadn't arrived for another few, quite a few yeah. thousand more years. That's right, and uh, they, they didn't understand. We are just later. We're not smarter exactly. or anything. We're just later. So we have exactly. this body of knowledge they lacked. We understand yes. the things that science has shown us as well as the things that spirituality has shown mm. us. So it's it's just a kind of a naive idea yeah. that there are some things that are given. So yeah. we have the idea. 
Well, I think it's, it happens with the, the thing which you get from, like, the be here now thing, mm -hmm. which is a great piece of advice. You know, sure. Pay attention to where you are and be mindful. Be how, great. How lovely. <laughs> Who could not enjoy that? But the idea that somehow there's an unfiltered experience and then there's the mind which is filtering it, rather mm -hmm. than, look, my, even my ability to hold this and to know how hot it is and whether it's too hot, all of that's conceptual. It's me being able to understand a sensory perception to know, you know, if I throw something from one hand to the other, all I get with my senses is where it is right then, you know, whatever the object is. But what I'm doing is processing it in such a complex way with its weight and with the velocity that mm. I'm going to go court it, hopefully, or not. But, you know, like, that, and that's a massive amount of processing that's happening unconsciously all the time. Right. You're not leaving the, that processing or the mind behind. You can't. What you can do is is try and develop better processing. Sure. Which means that then when you have these transcendent, when I say transcendent, that these states, these non-normal states, what I call deep awake states, it's like mm -hmm. you're awake but in a really deep yeah. way, it's like, oh, this is new, mm. this is amazing, mm -hmm. then that's where you, it's like to, un to understand those is gonna be more tricky because sure they're not happening all the time, you haven't had them before, and the natural thing to do, I did it when I was, and it happened to me when I was very young, but you know, by my teenage years, I was looking around, well, what are these experiences I'm having? Who's had them? <laughs> Mainly for me, it was dead people, but I could read their books, <laughs> you know? And, but then there were some living people as well, right. and I could yeah. get out as yeah. I got older, and I could go and see them, and it was like all these different people's explanation. Exactly. Although most of them had a certain, you know, I do think there is a kind of a, um, underlying spiritual approach to things which developed at a certain point in the evolution of culture which is still dominant, which is still there mm -hmm. in a way that, say, our understanding of physics isn't. It's moved on right. beyond belief right. from Aristotle, say. Mm -hmm. But spirituality is still embedded in thought around the same time or before Aristotle. Mm. So that our psychology is like this old psychology. Yeah. So when these states happen... Um, we we need to uh, we need to relook at them. That's what I'm saying. One hundred percent. In light of the developments. Yeah. You know, I always think of how all these teachings. It's like, do they know anything about you know trauma? Do they know anything about the mind body connection? Yeah. So many things, neuroscience that we they just didn't know. And it's yeah. like you said, it's no fault to them. Yeah. They're, it's just limited. We know yeah. more now, and so we need to r revise. I think just the same way that we want to um, modernize. Let's say you know very. Um, patriarchal or misogynistic um, religions that need to sort of adapt to, to fit in with modern values. I think we need to do the very same with the Eastern traditions. Yeah, I, I agree. And, yeah. I, and so I, I would like to, at least before we end, I would like to come to the actual experience you had, mm -hmm. what one I had, mm -hmm. and the numbers we both had, I'm sure, since um, and before, and look at them from a different perspective yes. so that can draw out why they were still really important, yeah. but how you can understand differently. But I'm thinking, on my feet here, I'm thinking, probably that's going to be easier to do once we've explored some of the ideas. Because then so. we can use the ideas to go, now let's look at those experiences. Exactly, exactly. And I think it's, it's good to, to really kind of make it clear that we are ultimately getting at experience, an experience we've both had. And the philosophy yeah. is there to, to help sort of guide us. It. And, and, and yeah, let, let us find, like, find it again, go deeper. Yeah. yeah. 
So, okay, so so maybe the first, I mean, I, it's the self probably. Is that a good place to start with that? Sure. I mean, that's the enemy. What self? The, uh, yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, that, actually, that's good. Right. I am, I am genuinely confused now. It wasn't what, years ago, mm-hmm. but I am now. I think when they say no self, what do they think the self they're denying is? Such a good question. Because we're always using these terms, right? But we're not always referring to the same thing. Yeah. So I, what, I, what is that? But what, what are they referring to? Because, you know, when I talk to Ramesh or any of the non-dualist yeah. teachers I know and all that, they're clearly a body. Right. <laughs> that seems to be clear. So obviously that's not that, that's not up for grabs. Well, is it clear? Because you also hear you are not your body. But we can get to that. Yeah, okay. Well, again, no, but that's the thing. Okay, so if you're not your body, what's the you? Okay, I can get that. So then maybe you're not, there's a body, but maybe you have a body or something mm-hmm. else. Okay, that's okay. So what's the you? Well, then you get the psychology, the psyche, Sorry, the, the soul, psyche. the persona. You're not that. It's like, so then what are you? So you, and, and it seems to reduce it to the idea that you're this kind of, thing witnessing it all right. which is an abstract entity right. which i'm not sure exists so in they're saying that doesn't exist <laughs> i agree with them i'm not sure there is this abstract thing that i'm, I'm a consciousness right witnessing a right. body and it might right it, it feels like it makes much more sense to me now to go no i'm a i'm a uh, organic and psychological system yeah interacting with the world am i separate from the world no, never. I'm always in relationship to the world. Yes, always. Exactly. So, in all those ways, I agree with them. Mm-hmm. But that seems to speak of a philosophy which doesn't go, it's not non-dual. It's not going, look, there's no duality. There clearly is duality. Yeah. We're having a conversation. Mm-hmm. If, there, if there wasn't a duality, there would be no conversation. No, of course not. Duality is... And then, and then, or you know, just all the way down to modern physics, it's all relational. Yeah. The whole universe is relational. So the idea then for me is like, okay, so this isn't, maybe it's not enough to say it's all one, although it seems pretty clear that it is. It's a, the universe is a uni-verse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's the one in relationship with itself as everything. Mm-hmm. And here it is, like, what's Tim? Well, Tim's the universe, but... I'm not the whole universe. I'm the universe yes. as Tim. Right. And there's been these incredible 14 billion years of evolution to get us from hydrogen and a bit of helium mm-hmm. to to you and me having exactly. this conversation about the universe. Unbelievable. And that's all relational. Right. But it's also all one. Right. So the one is arising as Jessica and Tim going, oh, what do you make of the universe? Yeah. And of course we are the universe. What the hell else could we be? Right. We're in it. We're embedded in it. There's never a moment where Tim does not exist except in relationship with the universe. Exactly. So there is a mistake which people can make of thinking, I'm just this. Because you're really not. Mm-hmm. You're really this in relationship. You're, you're this which has arisen from the whole in relationship with the right. whole. And that's a deep flip it's huge but what it doesn't do is remove this right it actually it does the opposite it goes oh by through the evolution of the individual mm-hmm. the universe has become conscious of itself it is now in relationship with itself on this level of the body and the senses and the psyche mm-hmm. so the self then ceases to be the obstacle which prevents you experiencing the unity, it starts to become the foundation exactly. from which you can experience the unity. Right, and I'm already so excited by everything you've just said, because this is, 
this is the real miracle, I think. It's not that, you know, duality is an illusion and everything is really just, you know, this empty, formless oneness. It's that that has become duality so that you and I can be here having that conversation. So, I mean, I learned this sort of, um, this beautiful um, idea of the one in relationship with itself from you. And I think that that, that really has been sort of the redemption, if you will, um, to be able to have the both and. And so for me, it's all been about moving from that either or to the both and, which is a paradox in nature that it's not just one, it's yeah. not just two, it's one and two. And yeah. it's also one as two, which is what I really sort of started to understand over the last couple of years is that we are that. But we're also this. Yeah. It's not you have to pick either be formless oneness or be this separate, you know, physical body or mind. It's that we're, we're always both and it, it arises as relationship. And isn't that just the most astonishing thing that there is oneness through separateness? Absolutely. And, and, and if, so that you have that uni dual vision. Mm. It's also why I think, it, well, for me anyway, it, it ends up being about love. Yeah. Because that is that the love that especially that really big love yeah. is a very emergent level of relationship. Yeah. So it feels like look, the relationship has been increased. You've got chemical relationships, you've got biological relationships, you've got the re relationship we're having now of sharing yeah. ideas of the psyche, and then you can just and you're in relationship with the whole thing, yeah, and everything and everyone. And that's the those are the mystical states, exactly. So I, I'm feeling I'm, 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 I want to introduce a little bit here about consciousness. Sure. We're moving very fast Let's through ideas. But I feel like it kind of fits it's straight okay. in because I think that's the key mm. um, for me. And this has been, um, as you already know, but I'm going to say it anyway, which is a, a big shift for me from doing what everybody does. You know, it's what else can you do of taking on ideas, deep ideas from beautiful people, yeah. some alive, some dead, who are doing their best to understand this incredible mystery. Yeah. And one of those ideas is it's all consciousness. And that's right. very big in the... That was also, consciousness. yeah, I should have added that to the bottom line of what the message was. Um, pure awareness. Pure right? awareness or consciousness, one of those words. And sometimes they're differentiated, often they're not. Mm -hmm. And... It's taken a long time for me to try and... I had, I've had for ages, surely consciousness is relational. Mm. Surely consciousness is a relationship between a subject and an object. I'm conscious of you because of, we're subject and object. Right. So it doesn't sound like it's very non-dual. Because that must be the thing which is both yeah. subject and object. So I will get, maybe get into that our whole metaphysical thing in a minute. But the thing... That, the thing I wanted to try and get to straight away was this, the obviousness which now seems there to me, which is that consciousness, when we're conscious of something, it's because we process it in a different way. Mm. And this is much more like it's being influenced by neuroscience and, and but you know, people like Carl Jung, and I think yeah. common sense. You know, the mere fact that I go to sleep at night and I'm not conscious and I wake up and I am conscious, it's like what this word is referring to is what you pay attention to mm. in a very, very focused way. Mm. So I've been completely focused on you. I haven't been thinking about the toaster and the <laughs> kettle and the rest of the kitchen and out the window. Or anything. I am now. And as I look out, the window, now I'm conscious of it. Now I'm not. Exactly. And so consciousness seems like everything's in relationship. The whole evolution is of relationship. Mm. 
the one in relationship to itself, at a certain part in that process where you get to biological complexity, mm -hmm. the systems are now taking in information from their informational ecology, so much information. And that information, some of it, really matters because it's a matter of life and death. Right. Because with biology, you've now got life and death. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it doesn't matter. Right. It's just the same old, same old. And what, I, what it looks like to me that, that is happening is that systems are prioritizing information. And that that ability to prioritize some information over others will become what we experience as consciousness, which is like a beam mm. which goes, process that in high definition, process that in high definition, and everything else is processed in lower definition, mm. uses up less energy, right. less bandwidth. Yeah. I'm using, obviously, computer like analogies. What, what we always say, what you, what you focus on is what grows in your... Right. What becomes more vivid is what you place your attention exactly. on. Exactly. So I'm fascinated by the way that you sort of um, revision this. I'm still sort of wrapping my, yep. my mind around it because as consciousness, not as a thing, but as a, as a process. As a process. Yeah, and I, I, I know that it, it's compelling. It's still hard to make that shift because yeah. I've been so sort of immersed in this idea that there's a consciousness or you know that yes. you are consciousness yes. itself yes but you're saying that's not really i i actually think it's now there is no such thing as consciousness yeah and that's where i'm like what? i mean <laughs> but, but partly it's confusing because the word is used in opposite ways which is really confusing <laughs> yeah so sometimes consciousness means everything you're conscious of right sometimes it refers to the kind of psyche particularly mm -hmm. that's consciousness um and sometimes it refers and in neo-advaita um it refers specifically and often to a presence, which is this yeah. abstract thing, which is just pure the ultimate, consciousness. The absolute, right? It's, yeah, it's okay. just pure. It's the ground of everything. Mm -hmm. And it's the pure presence of consciousness. And all of these are appearances arising in it. We can get into that maybe in the metaphysics. But I, 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 I see no evidence at all to think that that is true. I, I've had experiences which made me end up there, mm -hmm. but now I think there's a much better way to interpret them. Right. Which we can have a play with yeah. as well. But I, the bit I want to, the bit that I feel like I want to just pick up on, if I, I, all these ideas interconnect, don't they? Like, is, is that once you get that, if you just, even if, you know, if, if people listening to our conversation are very into non-duality, just, just as an experiment, yeah. just go, look, where you put your attention, mm. It's vivid. Mm. It, you are conscious of it. Mm -hmm. Where you don't, it's all being processed unconsciously. So right. imagine that consciousness is a very, 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 very emergent level of relationship, mm -hmm. which is that relationship has been there right from the start. It's all unidual. So it's it's not like it didn't come from no, it came from nowhere. It's been growing the whole time. It's just at the biological level, it becomes sensation, mm. conscious sensation, focus sensation, and then from that it's going to come psyche. Oh, so now it's imagination and th thought, and most of that's unconscious, all your thoughts happening. I think, goodness, you know, there's too many of them. Yeah, and then the little thing. bit we're doing on the top here, yeah, like, like Carl, yeah, Carl Jung's thing, yeah. is tip of the iceberg, mm. is that's conscious, and we move it about. As soon as you've got that, I think you can start approaching all of those uh, spiritual awakening experiences in a different way. Yeah. Because what I think happens for most people, what happened for me, let me do that, is when you go deeply into a state, I, I think about most recent time it happened to me, most dramatically, most dramatic in my life, about two years ago, where like you described, like there is, there's just no tin. Yeah. 
there's just not just light actually in this experience, just like just unbelievable, ah, you know. And at, but at the time, it's not like oh, there's light. There's nothing. It's just like wow. Afterwards, um, or but during as well. But there's no definition, and there's no yeah. there's nothing to change. So there's no sense of time because exactly. there's no just presence of this. And these come with samadhi states, and all there's a whole range of them. Yeah, which different people experience, and I've had a few. So that when when that happens early on, and then you come out of them, it is very tempting to think, oh, well, well how do I get back? What's in the way? Mm-hmm. Well, this fucker's in the way. Tim's in the way because exactly. he wasn't there. And if someone comes along to you and goes, you know what's in the way? You are. Mm. You know, and especially if the you has begun, whether it's done in a negative or you're an e- you've got an ego, you're yeah, grasping, exactly. you're out for yourself, you know, and who can't look at themselves and go, oh, yeah. And if you're really I, down on yourself I, I, and I you're can, depressed. I, yeah, then, you're depressed, you know, worse. Really gonna... It's like you're a bit broken. It's like, oh, I am yeah. like that. Actually, you're right. Mm-hmm. I've got to get rid yeah. of that. And, and then, you, then you start off on that whole journey. And it's like the idea is when I cannot have this sense of self, I can enter this blissful oneness. Yeah. Once you get this other perspective, it just flips. Because now what you're saying is, I had the experience where that beam Mm. of being conscious, for once I stopped focusing on me. And and I went, and and whether it just happened spontaneously or whether I did it deliberately, I was able to focus on something more emergent I'd never focused on before, like the oneness of everything. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing. But I was focusing on it. I just wasn't conscious of myself. Tim was there, which is why when I came back, there he was. This is the a really important point that I've I've been trying to share with people more because I think this is the huge question when you ask. But it seemed like I wasn't there anymore. Yeah. So so what happened? And you're saying it's not that your ego died or it disappeared. You just weren't paying attention. I'm saying even yes, and and even more than that. I mean, I'm definitely saying that. Yeah. And even more that I'm saying. Your individual self had reached such a level of maturity mm. that it could be conscious of something transcendent. Wow, yeah. And if you keep nurturing and maturing and evolving your individual self, that can happen more and more and more. Yeah. The complete opposite of annihilating yeah, yeah. it. I, for sure. Because it's the thing which will allow you to focus beyond it. Exactly. And it's, it's the vehicle for that. And, right? and like with the time examples, great, isn't it? You know, because you, you enter those states, you have a timeless experience, and then afterwards you went, wow, that timeless experience lasted for 20 minutes. Yeah, exactly. It's like, there it is. You know, um, Rupert Spira said something really interesting that always stuck with me. He said, um, time is the distance between two events. And so if you're not thinking about to events or you know past in the future then it seems as if time dissolves yeah so it really does make a lot of sense yeah it seems as if it does but it hasn't because everything <laughs> is a process right everything is a process including waking up to these transcendent or more emergent states yeah and then what you get then is like this really it's then suddenly our individuality, the fact that I'm Tim and with all my quirks and all my brokenness and history and all those things that happens to make me and you and all yours. It's a beautiful thing. It's like yeah. the universe has arisen with this this exquisite individuality right. meeting itself in relationship on all these levels. Biological and biological can be pleasure, but it can be pain right. and suffering and, and then the psyche, which also can be delight and insight, but also can be suffering. And then yeah. from that the universe is starting to go, oh, 
I'm a one. Yes, waking up to itself. And right? then suddenly, and that's what I mean when I said at the beginning about the individual. Mm-hmm. That that the that rather than this vision of enlightenment, which is the which is which arose, I think probably around fifteen hundred years ago, of, and I think people were having this experience probably for the first time ever, and wanting to escape. Yeah. Because life is hard. <laughs> you know, it's like, much harder then. And very hard <laughs> then. You know, your lifespan is short. The diseases are horrible. There's no dentists. <laughs> you know, can you imagine just that? You know, no so, oh, flushing toilets. No flushing toilets. <laughs> and most of your kids will die. So, you know, it's like, it's, what's not yeah. to get away from? Sure. As well as all the amazing things. But you see this with this, this philosophy, which is the one I think we're questioning. Yes. It starts. But at the time, this is breakthrough. It's like, I feel grateful to these people. This is of a new course. experience. Absolutely. They're doing their best to understand yes. it. And then gradually that will move. Like the Mahayana tradition after the Theravadan tradition is a much more engaged. You get the Bodhisattva idea. Mm. You get the idea of coming into this and compassion rather than right. escaping. Yes. And then I feel well, what we're discussing is the next level of that. I agree. And the thing which has triggered it is the new scientific mythos mm. that the universe is a one. Mm-hmm. We, and it's, a, it's an evolving one. Right. It's, an, it's a process. Yes which starts very, very simple and gets richer and richer and richer and richer until it reaches us. And that's emergence, right? Is that what emergence. you would call emergence? Yeah, because it's the emergence of, and it's a term used a lot in science in different ways. It's not, you know, people have different approaches to it. But the fundamental idea is, look, there once was no matter. Right. And then there was matter. There once was no life, and then there was life. Mm-hmm. There was once no complex uh, multicellular systems, and then there was once no psyche, and then there was, and there was once no uh, conscious people. There was no systems to human beings are capable of being conscious of the oneness, right. and then there is, uh, and and that feels like the leading edge. So that yes. spiritual awakening ceases to be an escape from the illusion of samsara and maya or whatever you call it, the devil's playground. Which is all understandable, I think, sure. when we thought that. Yeah. It's just like, ah, yeah, we thought that hundreds of years ago. Let's, let's, let's think differently. Now, this process is it. Right. And these things are the leading edge. Mm-hmm. And what the hell happens when enough people start to realize, I am Tim, mm-hmm. but I'm Tim in relationship, I am the whole as Tim in relationship to itself. And suddenly there's this connectivity and this compassion and this love. Yes, and the benevolence we talk a lot about. And, yeah. and for me, that's where it, it kind of went from oneness to unity. And there's a huge difference between that because... Oh, that's interesting. I think because with oneness, you think more of, of one. And um, unity is bringing two things together into a whole. Oh. But if there, you know, how can you have oneness without two things to unite into oneness? Oh, right? that's interesting. And yeah. so I think what we experience, you know, together and, and through your philosophy and these retreats with the eye gazing and everything, we're having a unitive experience, yeah. which is the relationship between yeah. the one and itself. So that we're one and two and joining that together into that whole, that's, that's unity. And I think what I used to experience, and I think I, I tried to explain this once, was that I felt like I was having these experiences of being one with everything. But I wasn't. How could I be one with everything if I was no longer there? And you said once, you said, you can't have oneness by getting rid of yourself because then that's oneness with a hole in it. And I just loved that so much. So now the idea of being one with something means that I get to be me, one with you who's also you, but with that underlying sense that we are, as you said, that, that 
oneness or the universe has risen up as two in order to relate to itself. And yeah. when it sees that, when it has that self-realizing moment as we're looking at each other, that's the huge love. Yeah. And that, I mean, it's, that's been sort of the, the second coming or the second or third awakening. I don't know what point it the is The third now, awakening. Because <laughs> that's what's so amazing, I think, about the, the states we've mm. been in um, at the retreat is you just see all of these different people connecting. And in that connection, where the two is made one, the two is made exactly. one, but it's still two. Right. And you see the two-ness, it's like, oh, you're yes. you, and it's different connecting with you than it is connecting with this person right. here who's a 78-year-old yeah. man, right. or this person who's a, whatever, and so it's different, and yet yeah. also. I, I like to see it as, as different expressions of the universe, or whatever you want to call it. We talk yeah. about God or the absolute, but yeah. that we are that, but we're all unique, individual, distinct, expressions of that yeah. you can't separate it from that yeah but you also can't reduce it and the other thing which comes from that well there's so much isn't there yeah. just looking, just, <laughs> i mean it, the, that strikes me is that i i so much want to return the the the, the i want to say the nobleness or the dignity to dignity, the human experience like yes so it's like human we, human, be, human beings really matter and and each individual life it's not like well Ideally, you should experience the non-dual escape, or less, whatever, even if you mm. don't call it an escape. This, everyone should experience this, because that's what enlightenment is. And other people are just off on some weird thing which they're into and haven't got the real thing. Right. And it feels to me like that's complete nonsense, that the whole universe is evolving with all of this diversity. Yeah. And the diversity on the level of the psyche is literally everybody's story. The things they have done, the thoughts mm. they've had, the, the story of that individual in relationship with the universe. Exactly. That's who they are on that level. And you hear the story diminished, oh, it's just a story. You can get stuck in a story, it can be a bad story, you need to change your story. But it's a beautiful thing. It makes you you. And, 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 and the mind, you know, it's like the thing which allows us to do this becomes mm. a negative. You can have crazy thoughts in your mind, you can worry, you can, but essentially, it's not a bad thing, it's a wonderful right. thing. All of these things then become ennobled. And, and, yeah. your, and the, what seems like the littleness of your individual life yeah. doesn't become you must try and attain what Swami Blandananda attained, attained. That's his thing, good for him. Yeah, that's one type of experience. You know, how interesting. Yeah. Mm. But you're experiencing, you're exploring, you are the universe exploring a very different particular route, yes. not just in your life, in yeah. your relationships, but also in your awakening. Exactly. And I, I, I love what I think that your teachings and, and I don't know if you call them teachings, but you know, your, your ideas and what you bring to us, I think, is this um, idea of celebration. So I think with the dignity, it's also you celebrate individuality, you celebrate differences. Um, and that's, you know, that makes all the difference. As yeah. you said, you know, the initial sort of this either or non-duality that's negating the individual it's just denigrates your humanity yeah and you don't really realize that until you lose something like your personality and then no longer feel human and yeah yeah it's like and I, sub, so subhuman i feel really it's like I, i'll be quite defensive around words like the ego because yeah 
I mean, look, look, egotism is a really ugly thing. It's very thing. important you to know, it's like, you know, it's like, uh, you know when you're being egotistical or you're thinking, of right. me, 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 you're me, me. You're pig-headed. And, and or... there's, you know, all of us, I'm sure, have had moments, probably lots of them, where you can go, ooh, I was just a bit full of myself. Of course. But generally, it's used to denigrate, again, the individual. And I want to go, no, no, the ego is not, it's not the villain, it's the hero. But it can be. you need to make it the hero. You need right. to make your individual self the hero of your life. And part of being a hero on a classic you know, adventure is you're not perfect. And you, right. will, and you will be shown that. Exactly. As you evolve. Right. What so you do with that. It's the hero's journey, to use um, Joseph Campbell's phrase, that's not a piece of cake. <laughs> but Because that's life. And life is not a piece of cake. Life is full of suffering. Yeah. And that suffering, it's not that the answer to the suffering is not find an escape. The answer to the suffering is can you find enough meaning yeah. to understand it in a deep enough way? And what these deep awake states do, which in my view are not only real, but the leading edge of the whole thing and really important, is they help you do that. Right. They help you come into a different relationship with yeah. your individuality. Mm -hmm. So that you're not this little isolated thing. Right. You're deeply connected. Right. You're more than that. In the flow of yeah. life. Yeah. You're not just the individual, you're not just that individual story, but you're in much more than that, right? Yeah, in fact, that's a great you're analogy. You're unique part of that Because you start seeing, oh, my individual story is so much part of the whole story of the universe. Yeah. And this is the flip from egotism, where you go, so how can my individual story serve the whole story? There you go. Because I feel this love, I feel this connection, so yeah. let me turn my story into a story of serving the whole, exactly. rather than a story which is all about serving the part. Right. And that's all great, I think. Sure. What you do on the individual level affects the collective. And we know that now. And we love talking about that, I think. You know, the butterfly effect and the ripple effect. But it's that's that relationship. Every single person is connected with probably a small number, really, of intimately. You know, even famous people. You know, you have so many friends. But you, you're surrounded by it. You have a network of influence, whether it's big or small, or not influence exactly, but connection. Yeah. And who you are will become part of who they are. That's true. Because you are part of their, they are, their, the, their, their, they are an individual in relationship to the whole. Well, if you are very close up in that relationship, you're very close up into who they are. Exactly. So as we, as we evolve ourselves, we all comes out and that's all the evolution of the individual right and coming into the unity becomes a very emergent level of that it's true and i think it it's extremely empowering and i think we'll probably get there at some point is the implications of that are just so so huge in terms of change and evolution of society so i just okay so before we go to that yeah. I, I think that's an, <laughs> I, th I do want to go there don't want to jump ahead too let's far. um you said at one point uh, about the name non-duality. Yes. So maybe we should look at the What's idea, in a name? What, what that is, and uh, yeah, let's do that. Okay. And, and the whole metaphysical yeah. base yeah. of this. I think that the something that's so fascinating to me now is that all of the pitfalls that I hit and that so many people hit is all in that name, in non-dual. Because it has negation built into it. It has mutual exclusivity built into it. It's saying not to. But if you understand non-duality to be both and, to be one and two, or um, I really like this phrase, uh, oneness of multiplicity, 
then that word can't get you there and that we can't use that word anymore. And so if we really, if I, I want to help people to experience the both and non-duality, the one relationship with itself, I don't really feel comfortable using the word non-dual anymore. It, it has a, a almost a, I don't want to say a bitter taste in my mouth, but it just doesn't feel right. Um, because I mean, how can you get to both and with a word that's you know, it has Absolutely the right. binary built into it. I completely agree. Which I think is very fascinating in itself, but it's really brought me to, to see how important linguistics is in the, you know, how words really change your experience. But that's why Unidual, to me, is like this golden ticket, this ah, aha moment. When I, I think, I don't know, when I first heard it from you, it was like a million light bulbs went off. That's it. That's what this is. It's uni-dual. You're affirming both. You're not needing to affirm something by negating or invalidating something else. It's, to me, it's, it's such a beautiful, perfect word for, for what I think this experience is that we want to share with more people. And, 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 and you know, what, what I mean, just to just state the obvious, because I'm sure there'll be lots of people who, who, who might be thinking this, it's, like, it's, it's, it's not a radical new idea. It's the basis of Taoism. Um, you can see the same thing arising in nearly all of the mystical traditions, right. the whole yin-yang thing. It's like right. there is a oneness that appears as two. It's the root of modern informational physics yeah. where where um, John Wheeler and other uh, physicists went, oh, look, hang on, the, the basic concept from which reality is constructed is the concept of information, and the most simple piece of information is this or that. Mm. I also wanted to say, because I think a big part of this is, is paradox and embracing paradox, and I think that... Um, I'm curious what you have to say about that. I think that maybe part of why non-dual appeals to people and why uni-dual might be harder to embrace is because it requires you to accept that the essence of reality is a paradox. Yes. And, and, and that's not easy. Yeah, it's not easy, although I think as you get used to it, it's kind of obvious. So one of the... So, so all right, let's do that. Yeah. So, so, so you get, the idea you get in, in a lot of uh, mystical traditions and Vedic... Uh, non-dual Advaita and not is, is not two. A a Advaita, not yeah, two. Right. Non-dual division. <laughs> yeah, um, division. Yeah. Um, is this idea that we talked about earlier? That it's all there's this there's this pure consciousness at the root of everything. Right. And that comes from older myths, really. Mm. Like this is the dream of God. There you go. So, the dream, then, yeah. so when you got the dream of God, the dream of Brahman. You, it starts off, I think, as a, as a mythos that there's God or there's a supermind, and then the, this is, and it's an explanation, isn't it? Going, well, you know, like you have dreams, well, this is like God's dream. And that's a great way in, and I've used that, and it's sweet. And then as that's developed, I think you've then got the idea of, well, in India, you get this idea of Brahman. Um, Niguna and uh, and Brahman Sanguna, which is right. with and without qualities. Mm -hmm. So you're starting now, and they've realized, oh, but God must have no qualities before the dream, because otherwise, where have the qualities of God come from? <laughs> so, and and they move it on a bit, um, and you have this. It's but then you end up with the one that I suspect we both came across, which is it's all kind of pure consciousness, yeah. whatever that would be. Mm. It's kind of a, a, a presence that knows itself. I mean, what does it know? It, what, I don't. It, I find it tricky. It kind of breaks now. down. At it's a like point. what does that? Um, so, so for me, coming in now, it feels like look, okay. If this is all evolving, which I, is my hypothesis, that's the, the it's a I, I, the elegant idea underneath unidualism. That that idea of the one in relationship to itself is. Is everything which has form one 
part of one process, one process in which the past has given birth to the future right an increasing emergence and complexity and 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 everything what would be the simplest thing well it wouldn't be consciousness mm-hmm. consciousness looks like it came really late you know you know this doesn't look like it's conscious and but you know you are plant Think. not really um you know the dog yes yeah. you know but different levels where is it coming and mm. it's moving and it's evolving and it's a level of relationship exactly so what, what would you put at the beginning? And the word that, that, that I like is, is the old philosophical word being. And I like yeah. it because it's just going, what's the one thing that everything has in common? Well, it exists. I mean, it's so obvious it's kind of bland, but it's, it's deep. It's like everything exists. If it doesn't have that quality, well, it doesn't exist. And you would so, say that's the same as maybe isness, right? Isness, being is like, the, isness like, of, like okay. the Zen thing. Yeah, yeah. the isness or there the being or the, that it is. And then it, it, everything which is, is and has a different quality. And so you and I have got very complex qualities. A molecule is a lot less complex qualities. Um, things in between. So what's evolving is all of these qualities of form. Right. So what's that? Well, it's information which informs being. And that gives you this wonderful metaphor you can take from modern physics, which captures ancient mysticism, I think, really well. Which goes, okay, so there's a field of being mm-hmm. which is being informed by information. And that's evolving onto all these levels. Yes. And the paradox you're talking about is that right there in physics, which, you know, physics will look at the, 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 the lowest or the most foundational form of the universe as like quantum particles. Mm-hmm. Well, they're particles, but they, they are actually information in a field. Hmm. They're movements, they're vibrations, they're process. You see, they're not things, yeah. they're, everything's process. So waves in a field. And you go, oh, okay, and what's a field? Well, a field is something which holds information. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you get the paradox. It's like the field and the information is the same mm-hmm. thing. So you've got being in a process of becoming. Right. Which is not that far away from the Mahayana uh, Buddhist um, huge revolution where they went, samsara, the forms, is nirvana, right. the emptiness. And didn't Buddha say that? No, he didn't point? say that. No. It, wasn't him. it was it was it was a, a, a revolution in Buddhism. Okay. Which which really defines the the later greater vehicle, the Mahayana school, where they went, oh look, it's not like there's samsara, get away from it, right. get to there. It's going, look, they're the same thing. Two sides of the same coin. And here it is in a modern language, going, look, there's a field of being mm-hmm. which is vibrating with information, let's say, or it's, it's informed, giving rise to everything in an mm. evolutionary process, they're the same thing. You can't have the field of being without the information, and you can't have the becoming, the evolving information, without the field of being. Yeah. So they're the same thing. So then when that, le- when that relational evolution reaches the point of you and I, here right now, then it becomes possible, as we've been experiencing the retreat, to take your attention and go... Can you be conscious of the field of being? Oh yeah, you can. And if you dissolve into it, if you go into meditation, it can be like a nothingness. Yeah. But it's not because you're conscious of it. But it feels a bit like a nothingness and it's deep and it's resonance and that's one of the samadhi states. But it can also be a fullness because it's everything. Exactly. And it's like, wow, it's the everything is one field. And I am, as Tim, I'm not separate from it. I'm part of it. Right. And I'm seeing that as this, from this perspective, which I've got. And suddenly all of those states become, you see, you see that they are really exciting possibilities rather than 
escapes or ultimate truths or right, exactly. any of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I've come to the same conclusion and you were mentioning, um, you know, that it's not nothingness and I think you've used this sort of phrase as the, the primal potentiality. Yeah. And I really love that, that it's, it's not... Uh, it's not nothing. It's almost the it's the potential for anything and everything. Yeah, because if, if this if this view is has some value to it, what can you say about the field of being? Well, it's the potential to become everything, right? Or anything. So, and, I, and there's something about that. Just in, as me as a just a human being, let alone as a philosopher, you know, it kind of, there's something just makes sense. I'm not even sure I can justify it, but to say what is the foundation. Of everything, mm -hmm. it's the potentiality for anything. Right. It's like oh, and it's here. It's becoming this. Maybe in other ways, it's becoming other things. Exactly. But the potentiality for everything, and then it's growing into more and more and more and more and more, and we are it. Exactly. And and then every moment is realizing a new potentiality. Mm -hmm. Every single mm -hmm. one, including coming into these non-dual states. There it is. So, what's the implications then? Ooh, so many implications. Well, I would say. The implications start on the individual level and then kind of ripples out to the collective. And I would say, I, I kind of want to start with the, the narrative. So I think that the, the potentiality for anything and for, let's say, conscious creation, or you said lucid living, or Jeff Carrera says being an artist of possibility, mm, no. that... I was taught I needed to get rid of narrative, right? That yeah. we need to, you know, go beyond the story. It's not real. Um, but I think that the real gold of dissolving narrative or seeing that narrative is, if you want to say it's an illusion, that's fine. Like you said, okay, fine. There's no, you know, solid self. Great. That's true. So what? So if there's, if you can dissolve narrative or see through narrative, you can then see that narrative is not fixed. And once it's not fixed, then you can see that you can, it's malleable. You can construct it. You can reconstruct it. So it's not in getting rid of the narrative or the story. It's in creating better stories, which is not what I would have wanted to hear 10 years ago. I would have laughed and said, oh, what an egoic, samsaric, you know, uh, story-based individual, whatever. But I think that that's what I've realized is, is that the, the potential comes when you can harness the power of choice and conscious choice, and that can lead to these new sort of, as you said, emergent possibilities. And so I think with uni-duality and uni-viduality, um, this, for me, that experience of the one in relationship with itself, it, it makes it so that we're still separate and individual, but we're unified, so there's that sense of interconnection. And for me right now, and I'm curious if you agree, I would say that the bigger problem in the world right now is division. And is people, I would say, not thinking enough of themselves rather than thinking too much of themselves or feeling disempowered and like we can't make change. And I think that individuality allows us to kind of harness that interconnected oneness to realize that we can change our stories on the individual level and that's going to change the story on the collective level. And it's, it's healing that division. I think we need to heal the divide right now in the world. Um, and I don't think you can do that with non-duality and hence this new word, uni-duality and univigilism, I think is really at the heart of it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, one of the great things that's happened has been the individual. I mean, you yeah. go back in history, there are, it, history is not full of modern individuals. 
it's full of quite different human beings. Yeah. The, the modern individual is modern. And the yeah. idea that everyone is an individual and not just the pharaoh or whoever, you know, but everyone, that's a lot. And, and, and that's new. And it's come with a price. Yeah. It's come with division. It's come with isolation. It's come, come with collapse of some, sometimes a collapse of community, all of those things which, we, which have happened alongside it. But, under, under, but overwhelmingly, the change, say, in the role of men and women has been about individuality. Mm-hmm. You know, I want my daughter to have the same opportunities as my son. Exactly. They're individuals. Yeah. I don't see them as a this or a that. They're mm-hmm. not in this. They're not group members. Yeah, exactly. They're individuals, mm-hmm. and the same with race and with everything, and uh, all these things. So we've, we've we've reached that level, and then it feels like, well, where does it go from there? After individualism, is that it? There you go. And and we can be conscious of uh, the the individual, and see the negative side of that, mm-hmm. which is. And, and feel like, oh, well, well, somehow we should go back to some sort of right. collective Throw the baby out with the bathwater. Whereas actually what this offers, I think, is again that paradoxical thing of, no, become more individual. Hmm. Think for yourself. Find your own way. Live your own life. But, but don't live it in isolation. Exactly. Now live it as part of in the In relation one, with the whole. With the community. With the whole. With, and then that ethos, ancient ethos of service comes right back. Exactly. And it you, almost uh, feels just... A natural that natural desire for altruism and benevolence, benevolence as you said is really I think what's that most prominent feeling that comes up yeah so for me the the, the, the thing with the benevolence was yeah I, I often historically and I have here because it's like that's the word I like I've talked about love and I think it was the big love and meta yeah. or agape <clears throat> but the thing about that love is it's wonderful and we've just been right in it at the retreat mm-hmm. Is that it doesn't stay always or ever actually, and it can be a bit overwhelming. And I'm a bit gooey, and you know, yeah. and I was like, you know, don't ask me to do anything too mm-hmm. practical or sharp. And so I was thinking, I was thinking that it comes and goes, and that's a good thing. It comes and goes. What's the thing which stays? Mm. Does anything stay? And I think, I think it does. And I think as I've got older and, and inhabited these deep awake states more and more and more. What stays is this kind of universal benevolence. That's yeah. always there. Right. Even, even when I'm shouting at the TV screen because there's somebody saying something I disagree with and I'm being a bit like, yeah. Yeah, I still wish them well. Right, it's still good uh, Anything good I could do, I would. And I want things to work for them more. Mm-hmm. Even when there's something I want to stop happening, I yeah. still wish the, the, the whole process well. Exactly. And that, I think, is what arises from this oneness. This huge so. benevolence. Yeah, and I, I think that it has a lot to do with... Um, taking action as well. Because if you feel, let's say, compassion or benevolence, but you've kind of denied your individuality or your agency, then you can't put that into action. There's no compassion in action. And so what I feel with this philosophy and the experience that it points to, of course, that's what we really want at the end of the day, um, is so optimistic. And I think that's something that you've really given me. And I wonder if maybe we could say a little bit about that, about crafting more optimistic narratives that are spiritual optimism, if you will. Yeah. It's not delusional, you know, like manifest a million dollars raining from the sky tomorrow, but... I think what what we're looking for is things which are... I love the etymology of words because it shows how those evolved. The etymology of truth is trustworthy. Mm. So we're looking for ideas which we can trust. 
So trying to build hope on ideas you can't trust isn't yeah, going to work because they're going to fall to bits. Yeah. But if you can find solid ideas that it turns out, yeah, you can trust those ideas. Yeah. And then from that, take an optimistic picture. Well, this vision of the unfolding universe, mm -hmm. the, the, the self-realizing universe, the evolving, the emergent universe of which we are absolutely embedded mm. is, I want to say it's redeeming. It is redeeming. Because it goes, the future we create mm. can redeem the suffering that led to it. That's the hero's journey, isn't it? It is. And it turns around then the thing about suffering. You said really early on about non-duality is about um, escaping suffering. What was yeah. this? No self, no suffering. No self, no, no suffering. No self, no suffering. And then what this does is it goes... Well, let me just... I'm going to end that sentence, but I'm going to put this in between. This little little caveat, because, because it's where, how I got there, which is, look, the, the suffering, if you love, you will suffer. Exactly. That's what I want to say. That, it's like, if you, enter, you. If, you enter, if you are a human being in relationship, you know, when my little girl was born, and I literally, just over there, and she came out of the birth pole, pool and opened her eyes and looked into mine for the very first time and mm. I'm holding this little well actually my, my wife Debbie was holding her and I was holding Debbie and I just thought oh that's it I'm in trouble I'm in real trouble because if anything happens to this little girl I am going to suffer yeah. and in that moment I, I could just see I had a choice you have a choice I could disconnect and not go well I'm not going to do that yeah or I could dare to love dare to love and I would open myself up to a lifetime of worry and suffering exactly but worth it worth and in it. that moment it was like yeah bring That's it on unbelievable that you said that Just, I, it's absolutely I think and some people won't like hearing me say this but I kind of feel at a certain point it was like uh, making a deal with a non-dual devil where you can you can have everything you want you can have all the freedom you can have all the peace you can have all the immunity from suffering but you just have to get rid of everything that ever mattered to you wow right? that is such an image Jessica. it is and it's very intense i have sometimes these dark sort of metaphors but it's, but it's but absolutely it's right a very, it was a very profound thing just that give I me lost. just give me your soul Oh God! Literally, <laughs> give me your give me your soul, and, you and I will freedom. and I will give you the freedom from all of all your hu human suffering. Right, but first they'll tell you but, that those things don't really matter. So yeah. all you have to get rid of is what doesn't really matter. But you will lose that, and then you realize that that is what matters. So, yeah. <laughs> so there's one idea which has been floating around that I feel like we should pick up on. Although part of me wants to just end our conversation. <laughs> On the non-dual devil, oh, no. just because I don't know. It, it's kind of dark. Something optimistic. It's darkly funny, though. It is. Um, is, um, is all of this relies, a lot of it relies, on the individual. What, you know, what's the great power of the individual? They're conscious and they have choice. Yes. And you said it earlier, so you can choose. And of course, choice. one of the great doctrines, and it was the, the one that Ramesh Balskar introduced me to, which I really hadn't got before, was no one chooses. There is no doer. It's all just happening. It's all happening. And I entered a state very quickly after that where I just went, oh, yeah. Where I could see thoughts were arising and th was just in the same way that the sun rises. Right. It's all just happening. And, I, and, and it was very interesting. Sure. And there's a kind of a flow state you can hit with it as well, which is very interesting. But what I want to say now to that is 
So I'm not sure what they think is doing the choosing. It feels like, what does exactly. this mean? It, it feels now to me, because what I became was this, again, this kind of idea that I was this thing called consciousness watching. Right. Totally passive. The witness. The witness. Yeah, the presence, just witnessing. And you can get that. But I think what that actually is, is a very, very emergent state of the system. Hmm. Because the system has been backing off from itself the whole way. The right. system can go, oh, look, I am sensing the world. Mm-hmm. Oh, look, I'm thinking about sensing the world. Oh, look, I'm thinking about thinking about sensing the world. <laughs> wow. And you can back off and back off. And you're like, oh, I'm conscious of all of this is happening. Mm-hmm. And it is. You don't consciously choose your thoughts. You can't. Because to, before you can choose them, you have to be conscious of them. Mm. So your thoughts are part of an unconscious system that you are. Yeah. And you're choosing all the time. I mean, right. you know, my system is allowing me to do this crazy movement with my hands because I do it habitually. But so it's not a conscious choice, but it is a choice. Mm. And then sometimes I can take that ability to reflect, right. to to get, to process it with HD and go, oh, let's look at my thoughts. Oh, that's a rubbish thought. That's yes. a really interesting one. Oh, that's a dangerous one. Oh, I don't know which about those two. Right. And then I can back off even further, and I can go. What basis am I making these choices mm-hmm. on? And that's philosophy. Then you're, and these are very emergent states. True. But I'm choosing. Right. The system is choosing. Exactly. It takes us right back to the very early part of the conversation. We're going, what is the self that doesn't exist? Yeah. Surely the self is the individuated system, mm-hmm. which is a, a sis, one system in relationship to all the other systems. Yeah. And part of that system is it has developed the ability to choose between actions. And, able, and it's able to do that consciously on higher and higher levels. Yeah. And that's a good thing. It's a wonderful right. thing. It's, it's given us the power to create. Of course. We can imagine. We can choose this, not that. It's yeah. given us morality. It's given conversation. It's given people who are listening to this the ability to go, I agree, I yeah. don't agree. To choose to disidentify with the ego. Yeah, <laughs> all of it. That's all been because of that. It's right. the most powerful thing we have. And it's being... Denigrated. The, the thing is that at any time, most of it is unconscious. And that's a good thing. Sure. And if you're a sports person, for instance, it fascinates me. I'm, I'm thinking about music. You're a musician. I'm a musician. If you want to play a musical instrument, you have to do it consciously, don't you? You have yes. to sit there and go... Duh, duh, duh. But then when you've got it, you don't sit there and think, put your fingers there. Exactly. You just do it. You flow. It's unconscious. And mm-hmm. then you can watch. Wow. Yeah. And you can play. Wow, listen to that. Right. And I don't even know. Well, I'm doing it now as I'm speaking. Of course. I, I'm just, I just do it. Yeah. Why? Because I've thought about all these things mm-hmm. a million times. Mm-hmm. So it can just flow. It comes naturally. But if you throw something at me now, which I haven't thought about, I need to stop. And I need to slow down. And I need to choose and reflect. And you need that ability. So all of it feels like that is what the self is doing. The self is the whole system. It's reflecting. It can The system can focus on the oneness. The system, and I don't mean that in a derogatory kind of making it all like the matrix. I yeah. mean just as a way of describing a complex set of qualities, mm-hmm. which are this, yeah. has, beca- has the ability then to also witness itself. Right. And I discovered that through Ramesh Balsakar. What was wrong was the interpretation. Mm. Same with the samadhi states. Right. They're wonderful. What was wrong was the interpretation. And you don't want to stay there forever. That's not, for me, that's no well, longer a destination point. You can't stay it's there impo- forever. Can that's you? true. You just and act- I wouldn't want you to. You actually can't. It's very true. But on your way to trying, you can really fuck yourself up. Yeah. I mean, this whole idea of, you know, there's no free will, which is on one hand, f- 
on sort of philosophy, but then you have it in spirituality where you said sort of, it's all just hap- life is living you. Yeah. You are being breathed. Yeah. yeah, okay, that's true on one hand, but when you take it so far that you then sort of erode your sense of agency, yeah. you get all of these people that are suddenly like, What's, who's driving the bus? Yeah, and that's right. That's me, and yeah. that's a lot of other people that I'm finding that really finding that their um, their ability to to make these intentional choices has yeah. sort of exactly. So I think there's two there's two big things in there which are good to kind of lay down as we kind of pull all this together, yeah. which is the, a view which goes look look because. You get this, there will be a lot of people who go, look, well, science has said there's no free choice. That's good to, I mean, free choice is too big a subject to, to take on in detail. But, no, 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 but, but it's really interesting because what science does is it denies your free choice. Why? Because it also eradicates your humanity exactly. from the opposite direction. It, that's that's right. why science and non-duality kind of can do that quite easily. They, they really do. Because they're both reductionists. They're both reductionists. So they're going, you think you're choosing this, but really it's neurons. Mm. Neurons are really chemicals. Mm-hmm. Chemicals are really subatomic particles. There was, there's a causality happening and you have the illusion of choice. What emergentism says is, that's rubbish. Mm. That's what's happening on the lowest level. Mm. But the higher levels of emergence yes. are just as real their organization on a higher level, and they are affecting everything. so much. It's a turnaround. It it's reduces that, re- turnaround. that kind of Victorian reductionism mm. and replaces it with a modern emergentism. Right. The same with spirituality. It goes, look, the self, what do you mean? The self is your individuated system, mm. which is a psyche and a body right now, and you, that is choosing. Right. And if you're not the conscious bit, yeah. you're, you're all of it. Exactly. You're the whole thing. It's all you. And the mm-hmm. conscious bit is the bit the system has got to navigate itself as well as the world right. in this high definition to really, and you need to look at yourself because otherwise you'll just repeat the same old way of processing. Yeah. But if you look at yourself, you can come to more emergent states and exactly. then you're in a new world. Exactly. Yeah. I think that if I could say one more thing about reductionism, yeah. because this was such an aha moment for me that I, I learned from you was this, I didn't even really understand what reductionism meant. I came to a lot of this philosophy just trying to understand this experience. Um, and I'm very familiar with sort of the, the non-dual communities kind of putting down science and philosophy and, and thinking that they're somehow, you know, better than science or they don't need science. But I realized through you that they're making the exact same fundamental mistake of reductionism. Since what I understand now is that science is reducing the spirit to the material, and this type of non-duality was reducing um, the material to the spiritual. So they're making the same exact mistake at the end of the day. You know, yeah. they're in bed together. Yeah, and once you get this, <laughs> the unijual, it's like, well, it's all real. Exactly, and it's you one don't to reduce anything. Yeah, you don't. And then suddenly you're living your the life you were already living, yeah. but in it's full of meaning, and that's the optimism. Yeah, that's the optimism. And as you can, the, and the, the the hope that I try and offer people is a deeper way of understanding the thing that's already happening to them. Right. And the chance to experience these more emergent states, which don't have to be about negating any all of right. that. They can actually enhance it. Exactly. And you come into a your individuality is more. Right. It is, you become a better you. I'm a yes. better Tim exactly. for those experiences of love. Because and you're more than Tim. Yeah. And it's, and it's, a, I, I, it's, a, it's, a, it's redeeming. It's, yeah. it's, it's saving it, it is, yeah. to enter into that. And that's why we need uh, 
We need uniduality. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that's uh, that's right. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's been fun. Hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs>